0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining our very first Between the Covers podcast. If you're tuning in, we are discussing When Breath Becomes Air, part one, which was an amazing start to the book. And my name's Madison, and we're going to go around and introduce ourselves, and we're going to say, um, what is the one thing that we're looking forward to um, once quarantine's done? And it's so first thing. Yeah, the very first thing that you're gonna do. First thing so, you gotta do. Mine is, man, I don't know. Go to Orange Theory or get a spray tan. Like one of those <laughs> need to happen stat. Those are good.
1: Okay, I'll go. My name's Sarah. Hi, everybody. First thing I'm going to do when we get out of quarantine is jump in Barton Springs for sure. It's getting so hot and I just feel like stifled and I'm ready for that ice cold water. I need it. I want it. It's going to happen.
0: That reminds me of um, Emily's gif of like the person like, <laughs> holding onto the fence, wanting to go no, in so that's bad. That's
1: literally me. Have you seen that meme with like DW sticking her face through the fence? Yes. <laughs> that's me.
2: All right. Hello. Um, this is Emily. So the first thing I want to do is go to a show. I want to be surrounded by 100, 200, 300 of my closest friends just hanging out, listening to amazing music. Um, I'm really missing that. I had about five shows lined up And I had purchased tickets for all of them that have gotten either canceled or rescheduled. Mm -hmm. So I'm dying to go to a concert.
0: I'm surprised you have
2: 300 friends. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't everyone your friend when you go to a show? No? Just me? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was like, wow, you're going to (laughs) invite
1: 300 friends? I love it. What's the one you were most looking forward to? Or you're most
2: looking forward to after? Um... hmm. Loose the child. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Okay. I love
3: it. Okay. I'm Bree, and um, I just realized this today as I was looking in the mirror, I cannot wait to go and get my eyebrows threaded. My girl is so skilled. She's so talented. She's so amazing. And I don't know how I will ever live life without her. So I'm coming for you.
1: Well, they look great from over here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and just for our listeners, like everyone right now in America, we envisioned this podcast that all four of us would be sitting at a table, giggling and laughing together. But uh, COVID 19 had different plans for us. So we're doing this podcast virtually. And so just bear with us. Um, We can't feel each other's energy, we can't see um, each other's lips open up on who's talking first. And so, you know, we're going to make it work and we're excited to do this, but I just wanted to make sure that was clear. And another thing is just kind of the layout of the hour. So we're always going to share good news of the week and just to get positive vibes going. And then we'll dive into the discussion questions about whatever section we're reading and then we will end on um, joy in the quarantine. So something that's bringing us joy in the situation that we're all in. And then um, any feedback or questions. Um, so that's how the layout will happen. Just so you know how we're going to spend the next hour. Who wants to talk about good news of the week?
3: You know, I'll go. Okay, so I started following a couple good news Instagram accounts, which I highly recommend. Emily actually suggested a couple, and it's definitely changed my scrolling just to break up all the, like, COVID-19 updates. So, yes. So um, ran across this one, and then I fact-checked. But the koalas that were rescued during the Australian bushfire – They're now being returned back into like their wildlife homes. And in some cases, koalas are being returned to the same tree
1: that they were rescued from, which is blowing my mind right now. It's insane. It cracks me up. I love it. I love that we go to that extent. Like how I want to know who's that organized.
3: And then can they come to my house and organize it in the same way to like, like, I mean, it's amazing. same Same tree.
0: What? Yeah. Their Excel sheet like um, <laughs>
2: it's color coded for sure. Well main rose. Just putting myself in the koalas pause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I was taken from my home, I would want to return to my home. You know, that little tree is their own home. So yeah. who knows how long they've been living there. Do you think they even know? Like do you think they're like this is my tree? It's not oh, like me. For sure. Yeah, yeah. for
0: sure. For sure.
1: My dog doesn't seem to care. I guess she does know, like, what door is my apartment door. (laughs) She's pretty happy anywhere. I guess dogs and koalas aren't the same.
0: (laughs) I think they for sure know, like, their home. I love that. I mean, don't tell the people that just spent days and hours Google coding Excel
2: sheets to make sure they get back to that tree.
1: No, it's so sweet, too. What caused the wildfire? Do we know? I feel I'm embarrassed. I don't know what caused it. Um, you
2: like it was our fault, right?
0: It was a bushfire from, I think, I think it started, but I don't I know. It was,
2: I, I think, think, I think it was a bushfire that just spread. Right. Yeah. And
0: then this situation with like
2: how well, I failed
3: science miserably, but how the like humidity and the heat went into the atmosphere and it rained down like ashes. <laughs> and Madison, you're
1: laughing. I will. <laughs> Back to
0: myself. Send it to you. She's laughing at the destruction. You're tuning in You're to the evil BGC science. Science
1: talk. again.
2: Yes, this is a okay. podcast on books. We will not be diving into science. Science is important.
0: Go, koalas. I'm glad yes, they're moving to their own homes. See, and this is why we start with good news because uh, it just breaks the ice. And now I, I love that. I just I don't even feel like I'm in a quarantine right now. Okay, so we're gonna hop into part one when breath becomes air it's the section that talks about um paul being healthy part two is when he gets diagnosed and is this the sicker part Um, but this part is his education how he grew up um, how he was in residency and all of that jazz and so the first question i have is Paul had a strong background in humanities. He loved reading. He was always interested, even when he was a young kid, he was interested in like very like high educated books. Only after getting a master's in English literature, did he decide that medicine was the right path for him. Do you think this made him a different kind of doctor?
1: It has to right? like whatever experiences you have beforehand really change and shape who you are. So I think it definitely did make him a different doctor. I see in the book, his, his writing's very thoughtful. I was kind of thinking to myself, like, okay, do all doctors ask themselves these questions? Is this just, is this just Paul? Yeah. I definitely think it did make him different.
0: No, Sarah. I thought the same thing when I was reading the book, I was like, I hope if I have a terminal illness that I have Paul as a doctor <laughs> because so. he definitely was more thought out and thorough. And I think you get that from literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that also like kickstart his like surge of
3: what is the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. Like, who are we in compared to our life? And so that obviously, then going into like medicine, where you have a lot more control over some outcomes of life. Um, I think that like maybe put him just on a different spectrum. What do you think, Emily? Like?
2: Yeah. And I think his approach on w- uh, dealing with his patients, too, he mentions wanting to know that patient's values and what sparks joy for them. So I thought that was, um, I don't know. I don't think a lot of doctors have that approach. Maybe they do, but you know, to go that far to think, what are the what? What's my patient's values?
3: Another, yeah, that that's a good point. And then like the other thing where he was talking about, like each diagnosis technically is on a bell curve as far as like success rates, how long you'll live, all of that. And so I really liked what he said as far as like who am I to say you have six months to live like this is all on a bell curve and I feel like we all have been in those situations where we've heard or maybe firsthand even like experienced someone saying like this will happen and like we see like mom saying yeah they told me that my daughter only had a year to live and now she's 18 years old so I like his outlook around I, I don't know, like, and why would I tell you that I know?
0: Hmm.
2: And I think I, we just put so much trust in doctors too, you know, you, you're trusting them. So for him to take that much care, I think it really means a lot. I feel like, I feel like
1: we're being kind of hard on doctors too. And I know I started it, <laughs> but like, I guess, I guess since their jobs are so serious, they're dealing with kind of life and death matters. Like, I have to imagine that they all do think about this. Maybe not in the same way that Paul does. It's, it's Kalanthi. What is it, Kalanthi? Kalanthi. Paul, that Kalanthi does. Um, but I don't know. Maddie, you had something to say, right?
0: No, I, I don't. I think this is all great. Yeah, I struggled with this. Um, what a time to like be... I don't read a lot of medical books. Like half of these terms, I honestly don't even know. I've had to look up like more terms than I've ever had in a book. And, but like, what an amazing time to learn about like a doctor's life and everything they put into their career when we're going through a pandemic right now. It really made me feel for um, the doctors and nurses and like even janitors at the hospital, like the whole um, ecosystem of the healthcare industry. Like it it really made me feel for them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if a lot of doctors think the way Paul does, to be honest. Um, I, like we've all said, I think he was really in tune, um, with like values and, um, giving news a certain way to give them hope. Mm -hmm. Um, he talked about how it wasn't all about clock clocking in and out for him that like he wouldn't leave until the job was done, no matter if that was past the 80 hours that you're not supposed to work as a doctor. But um, yeah, I think literature definitely grounded him and um, just I don't know.
2: And there's a uh, I was going to try to find the actual quote, but his mom talks about you know, she's trying to find out what kind of things teenagers are doing. And he says, little did she know that the the books that she had given him were the most addicting, or that is not the exact quote, but something to that effect. Yeah. So.
0: It really does kind of show you that I mean, in Paul's life and I think a lot of our lives, everything really does happen for a reason. Like one book like kind of changed his trajectory and i I just think every single piece of his story had to happen for it to be this great of a story
1: okay and i really love what you said maddie too that like one book changed his whole trajectory i think about that literally all the time like i think about how how pearls are made And how like the little, little baby bit of sand gets in the oyster. It's oyster, right? Gets in the oyster and then makes a pearl. And so I wonder all the time, like, what am I going to see today? That's going to be my sand. That's going to turn me into a pearl. And I guess that book was his sand.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So uh, question one, I think we all agree that literature played a big part into who Paul was as a person, let alone a doctor. The second question I have is... Kind of early in part one in his sophomore year, um, he has two internship opportunities. And one is at this amazing research center. And then the other one is a prep chef at basically a summer camp, the Stanford summer camp. And he decides that he is going to do the summer camp family vacation spot over the research that having the research on his resume would have been huge, but he picked the summer camp. One, do you think Paul, the neuroscientist resident, would make that decision today?
3: I think so. Like, I feel like he's just... So much more like a feeler than like a reader, so to speak. Like he wants to like be in it and experience it. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Sarah?
1: I don't know either. (laughs) I can't really say. I kind of cringed when I heard summer camp too. Because I don't know if you know this, but I was fired from a summer camp. (laughs) (laughs) What? He wasn't, not for doing anything really bad. I did. The kids loved me. They missed me. Um, (laughs) I don't know I feel like that's definitely an unexpected choice for somebody that's going to go on to pursue medicine but at the time he didn't know that right like it it seemed like he was avoiding that
0: well he did have that professor and he told the professor that he was gonna pick the summer camp over the research center and I Mm -hmm. don't know the exact words of the professor but it was basically like you're an idiot. Like, yeah. you need to take this research center. Yeah. And yet he still pursued the experience of the summer camp over the research center.
1: I don't and know. yeah, that sounds whack. I don't, there's no air conditioning. You're chopping all the time. I bet his knife skills, I bet that really honed his knife skills well for neurosurgery. Oh Ooh. my gosh. Too maybe, exactly. maybe
0: <laughs> that's what he was really just thinking ahead. Yeah. Hey, he didn't even know it, but even, so we've all talked a little bit privy to this podcast, but the yeah, girls on this was pod. That? What? What book was that?
3: Where we kind of had like a similar. Was oh. it. A I don't previous know. book where we kind of had this same, like
1: experience it or learn it type of. I don't know. That might've been before my time. <laughs> when we were talking. <laughs>
3: like the question literally became like, if you could go back and go to four years of college. Or oh, use yeah. oh. sixty to eighty thousand dollars and do four years of whatever, traveling the world, oh. packing, whatever. Not like I remember this. your boat. What do you choose? Like yeah. you go back in time.
0: Yeah.
1: I would do the same thing. I would do the exact same thing, unfortunately. Well, no, you sound like college? who I am. I'd go to college. Yeah, I loved college. Yeah. My like I went to a small liberal arts college, so there were like five hundred people in my graduating class and like every day felt like summer camp. It felt like It felt like those movies that you see about Northeastern boarding schools, except in Tennessee. So we get like biscuits and gravy. It was kind of dope. But no, I do it all over again. It changed my life. It built my confidence in a way I never knew it could. Uh, I learned that I liked math. No, I do it all over again.
0: (laughs) No, I love that. So just for our listeners, the question we're going to answer is, do we think it's more valuable to study or have experiences? So Bree, for example, said to go to college or to travel abroad for a year or four years? What do we feel you grow more experiencing it or studying it? And Sarah, obviously she loves her school biscuits and gravy.
2: (laughs) I do. I think, I mean, experiencing for sure. I mean, there's a lot of debate about, Continuing education, or just getting into the field of your choice, and even if it's not the field of your choice, just getting in a different environment. I know I learned something new about myself every time I go to a different place. So,
0: yeah, this is hard for me. Like, can't we just balance and like right travel a little bit and study? Because like, I don't. I also it depends on the person. Like, if I woke up and I knew I wanted to be an like a scientist I probably wouldn't travel abroad I would have studied and studied and studied but if I didn't know what I wanted to do for my career kind of like me I didn't know what I wanted to do um and I kind of picked a random major And I studied, but I was fortunate that I got to travel abroad a lot, too. And so I got to experience other cultures that I think enhanced um, my perspective on the world, which is super important in any career. So I don't know. This is hard. Can't we just, like, do both? (laughs) Yeah, we can.
1: (laughs) I think especially for doctors, though, that in-classroom learning experience is important uh that just a thought that came to my mind but i guess that's the reason why there's a residency too cuz you do have to get experience. yeah i don't know i guess none of us know about medical training it'd be great to have a doctor on or nurse or someone that would give us some insight into that actually
0: yeah we're going to try and have someone on for the next one but That'd be cool. they're a little busy right now <laughs> what that's crazy <laughs> everything going on but um Yeah, he even mentioned something like that in the book, Sarah, he talks about how obviously reading about all these medical terms is different when you're in an operating room, Mm -hmm. and you're having to all of a sudden do all these crazy things that you've read about, but you've never actually done them with your hands and how different it is to get your hands to do it when your brain knows.
1: Yeah, that's got to be like the scariest thing ever.
2: Well, even when he's talking about just CPR alone, how different it is practicing on a mannequin. And he said the first time it was kind of a joke. And I've been in situations like that at work where it's a training, but, you know, it's kind of whimsical. Everybody's laughing. But in the event that someone were to drop to the floor, you know, that anticipation of performing CPR is a much different Mm -hmm. um, experience. I bet. Has
1: anybody given CPR before? No. No, I haven't either. I just used to see teachers walk around with those little CPR covers.
0: No, my brother, like, heimliched himself one time. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's the closest I got.
1: Was he choking?
0: Yeah, he was choking and, like, literally. Good.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wow. She came through. I love it. Yeah. That's a special skill. know
0: you know aaron is such a jokester that when he did it we thought he was joking we didn't think he was really choking and oh. so when he started like pounding on his stomach i was like oh, oh. shit like this is real oh no but that says i have never actually done cpr to anyone but yeah like you you're performing on like a mannequin one day and then you're actually performing on someone's heart and chest and bones. And that just has to be so un- like such an unreal experience of like studying for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden you're doing it. It's go time. Yeah. It's go time. Um, well, we kind of started off the podcast by talking about how awesome a Doctor Paul is, and that if we want, if we had a terminal illness, we would want Paul to be our doctor. Um, but at the beginning of his career, he definitely was a little immature and young, and kind of did think about clocking in and out and getting his ice cream sandwiches. And it takes a toll on you after so many. I mean, he said he had so many deaths his first year he listed them all out in the book to make a point that like this is how many people i saw pass away and so he kind of got in this flow of like uh let's check some boxes get these patients out the door i need to clock out and then he talks about a 21 year old guy got in a motorcycle accident and he comes in with they even say that his brain is coming out of his nose and he was at a lunch break. He had his ice cream sandwich. He ran over, put his ice cream sandwich behind the computer, did everything he could do to try and save the kid. And the kid ended up dying. He then walked over, got his ice cream sandwich, like froze it again, ate it. He was picking out the chocolate chips out of his teeth. And he was watching the family say their last goodbyes to this 21, 22 year old boy. And he had like a brief wonder, like as a physician, his actual quote, it's on page 84. I wondered if in my brief time as a physician, I had made more moral slides than strides. And I, I mean, in my book, I, I like shut it like, oh, my gosh have we as people like made moral moral strides than slides or vice versa and so my question for y'all is has anything happened in your life a life-changing event or maybe it's not a life-changing event like he was just eating an ice cream sandwich and this dawned on him um that your moral kind of shifted What were you going to
2: say, Emily? Well, I just wanted to point out to just the end of page 85 onto 86. um, He talks about a woman that um, came to him newly diagnosed with brain cancer. She was confused, scared, overcome by uncertainty. And he was exhausted, disconnected. I rushed through her questions, assured that her surgery would be a success, and assured myself there wasn't enough time to answer her questions fairly. But why didn't I make the time? So I think I relate to that in that, in the moment, it's, I don't know, it's hard to stop yourself and, and be empathetic and patient with others. And it's easy to just kind of quip quip something quick or just put a bandaid on it. Yeah. Or not take the time, you know, he says, but why didn't I make the time? And it may be five minutes that could have changed that whole interaction you had with someone. So a lot of, I'm trying to think of an an event, but a lot of the smaller events have just been in hindsight. I've realized that I could have taken more time and been more patient and empathetic.
3: Yeah, I I think that's like same, agree. I'm thinking of like larger scales. It's always really terrible moments like 9-11 or a school shooting where it makes you like stop and like become human again and like level set with like all humanity. Um, And it's just unfortunate that those are the types of reminders that like really catch your attention and make you stop.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, Brie. Like even the pandemic that we're in um, definitely has shifted um, how I'm going to start spending my time, how I'm going to value other people's time and get off my phone and like really try and have intimate connection because this book, like just like death happens and you don't know when. But I have two things of when my morals kind of shift. When bad things happen, like you said, Brie, like I've had a best friend pass away in college and that kind of like really shifted my view on things like, wow, like each day really is a gift. And that was really big. And then, but obviously time fades and you go back to the hustle and bustle of society and you lose grip on like that feeling that you had when that awful thing happened Um, and whenever I feel that like the little fire in my heart it always burns a little bit but when it like gets really really dim and it lights up again or lights up again is when it's like really little things like the other day at Trader Joe's the cashier just like made eye contact with me and he was so invested in my what I was saying out of my mouth And he was asking like very meaningful questions. Like, you know, if it wasn't for money, what would be your dream job? And the whole time he's just looking at me like, ding, ding, like scanning, but so interested to hear what my dream job would be. And I walked away from that like, wow, like who am I to not have those types of meaningful conversations with strangers, like complete stranger. And those kind of interactions, like light the fire again, where I'm like, I need to connect, like, truly with people and not have this hustle and bustle, like life. It's so empty.
2: And I think we've even talked about this before with BTC. I mean, friendships in general take effort and you have to dig deep to ask questions and go deeper than small talk so it is about caring and pushing through the you know uncomfortable situation of asking a stranger that question yeah like that that may have been uncomfortable for him but for him to like you said invest that time with you and for you to respond and not just flippantly go about your day you know That means a lot
0: yeah i agree he even paul even goes back and talks about his dad in medicine and how his dad um formed these human connections he he even tells a story about how his dad's patient wanted lobster and steak after surgery and he called (laughs) for lobster and steak and paul says the easy human connections he formed the trust he instilled in his patients was an inspiration to me and I know we're not all doctors I mean our listeners can probably tell we're not doctors but we can still have that same like profound effect on people that like our friends or strangers or family members know that they can trust in us by how present we are with them and and, yeah I was really moved by that I love that Yeah. And then that, that's kind of when Paul starts changing the way he becomes a doctor. He even talks about his kind of his next patient. Um, she was a 35 year old and he had to perform surgery and it was for the first time he had decided to meet her in a space where she was a person instead of a problem to be solved. And I like literally start it in my book because I am so bad about this. Like, especially with BTC and starting BTC, a lot of people come to me for advice. And I always think like, oh, how can I strategically solve this problem for them when it's like they just want to be heard. And like, I don't need to silver line anything for them. I can just be here and listen. That's so right. Uh, that like, well said. It's like very like, kick in the butt. Sorry, guys. We're all chatting too to make sure we're on the same page, but. Yeah, I'd like to hear from our listeners. Um, you can DM us, or we may even on April 15th, when this comes out, um, post a Instagram story where you can fill in the question of how how has anything happened to you that shifts your perspective? Um, we would love to kind of hear um, about that and how it has shifted your perspective. And if anybody DMs us, we may just on the next podcast, come on here and talk about this question again and some of the answers we got.
3: Oh, I love that. I can't wait to hear. I mean, like, I feel like the spectrum is so large. I'm, I'm interested. I know. No.
0: Okay, so um, the next question is about Paul's, I guess you could kind of call him mentor V so v is um someone that runs the scientist lab that paul goes in and i mean so many big words that i can't even act like i know but basically paul is playing around with the the brain telling the hands and legs like what to do and he's working for v and he even talks about v for pretty a significant amount of time. He doesn't talk about his patients or his friends for that long in the book, but he carves out some time to talk about V and um, he talks about how he's a little bit older than him and that he's just so committed to doing good and being authentic and that he's just a true um, like authentic person. And he kind of looks up to V at this point. And V comes to him one day and basically tells Paul to put his doctor hat on that V has some news. And it's that V has pancreatic cancer. And I'm on page 101, probably like, like midway through the page. But V says, Paul, he said, Do you think my life has meaning? Did I make the right choices? And Paul's kind of stunned, like what? Like even someone that has the highest moral values and outlook and actually does it day after day is quite like questioning his mortality. And um, my question, I know I don't even know if I had a question. I was just like shook by that part. But, oh, if you all of the sudden had learned you had a limited time to live Would you be spending your moments the same way? And if not, what would you change?
3: Well, I would take the Tim McGraw approach
1: and just (laughs) go for it. Why not? Start with skydiving? (laughs) (laughs) Rocky mountain climbing? (laughs) I mean, all in the same day. No, seriously,
3: though, I think I would like live a lot more like carefree I'm very like particular and orderly and process oriented and I think I hope this is probably the better way to say it I hope that all of that would just go out the window and I could just enjoy like everything and not be so controlling so I think I would go big I'd probably travel I'd definitely see my family and then I would just like hit the road
1: is there anywhere specifically on your list everywhere yeah same um
3: so far right now we're actually like have been on the the hunt i think buenos aires is our next stop i've never done south america oh, argentina
1: fun. fun fun so maybe yeah, get there. maddie what about yeah did your trip get canceled maddie is that is that trip still on
0: No, the trip is still on. We're going to Iceland in September if this pandemic is over by then. But um, it's still on. We bought. Sorry. No, you're fine. We bought trip insurance. So, like, if it's canceled, it's canceled. It's not like we lose everything. Um, But we're just going to hope for the best. It's for Alex's 30th, and he really wants to go. So we're just going to keep praying about it, that this will be over by then.
1: I hope so. Bree, I didn't want to cut off your thought, actually. Were you... Was there anywhere else on that list? You guys are going to Argentina, planning to go to Argentina. We're just exploring.
3: We're, like, a little gun-shy to actually book. Just because we have been on the phone with every airline the last couple of weeks trying to cancel things we already had booked. And so the thought of doing that again. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know. Emily, Where? what do you do? Do you keep going as normal or do you live
2: differently? I, so the, f- <sighs> the first thing I think of, like when you ask that question is it's not about like, I want to be this position in this company, you know, like I think about the the basics, like spending time with people I love, spending time outside creating just things that truly bring me joy so and I feel like I try to do that and spend most of my days that way but I mean like Bree said I get so bogged down in the little things that I just have to go outside and look up at the clouds and just remember that yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: we're on a spinning rock and time I'm will pass bad. and I don't know and I mean, I thought about this a lot, it's just on random occasions, you know, what really matters you know, at the end of it all.
1: True. No, seriously, it's those relationships, it's those uniquely human experiences that you can't have when it's all over. I totally agree with you there, Emily. I I don't know. I guess I, I would choose to live different. I don't know. I, I really don't know that I would do things differently, too, and I've I've kind of had a minute to think about that with all this time indoors too. Like I really miss the outside world. I miss going swimming. I miss getting ice cream. I miss going to the movies and it feels good to miss it. Uh, But at the same time, it feels bad. I know though, the whole time I I loved it. I was living, I was, I was going to hear music and I was drinking Mezcal Margaritas and loving every drink. And and I was two-stepping at the rodeo and I really just, I, I try really hard to enjoy every moment too. And I just need to try that much more.
0: Yeah, I don't know. This is a hard one for me. Um, actually every, this question, I have these conversation cards, thanks to Gabby HTX three leader. She sent them to me as a gift and, um, I absolutely love them. And, probably like a month ago, I had this uh, card, if there's anything I would change about my life, what would it be? And how am I going to implement that daily? And I put it right where I like pull my Nespresso coffee pods out every morning and I see it. It's a good spot. Yep. And it's just like peeking out like, you know, is are you living the life you want to live? <laughs> and Yeah, I've thought about it a lot. Um, I think if I really had, if someone really told me I had a couple months to live, I would um, delete my Instagram. I probably would get a flip phone that like only like my close friends, family, BTC girls had access to. I wouldn't be getting blown up by like little things, like all the notifications and emails. Like I literally would just completely escape that and um yeah I would try and have more meaningful conversations the biggest thing I think about is like what's my footprint like how have I positively impacted someone's life and I don't know if that's the right thing to say because it's my I'm the one that's dying but I want to know that I made change for the greater good, whether that's one person's heart changed or, you know, who knows, a thousand people's heart changed. I just want to know that I was like working towards goodness. Um, So, yeah, I think I would be like kind of, I don't know, I might even like want to go homeless for a bit, like sleep in a tent, like not have all this like distraction just like love on the people that are in front of me
2: well you can check that off your list about impacting others because you've Uh, definitely done that by starting btc and creating the space for us so
0: you're awesome but i mean i this is such a deep question um i encourage y'all that like if there are things that y'all just said that y'all would do differently kind of like taking some time out of tomorrow's morning when you're journaling or whenever you journal, kind of like looking at how you could actually implement some of that. Like, obviously I can't get a flip phone and like not check emails, but I could like turn my notifications off. You know, there's things that I could do. So I encourage like y'all and anyone listening that kind of has that thing that they would want to do differently Um, to make a plan and actually try and do things a little bit differently. So you know that when you do get to the end of the road, you are proud. Okay, last question. At the end of part one, Paul gets news that Jeff, his resident friend, that he's kind of gone through medical school with and residency with, Um, has killed himself and he actually killed himself after um, one of his patients died unexpectedly, like in in a bad way. And so he jumped off the building and killed himself. And what are your thoughts on how Paul processed and wrote about Jeff's death? And just for our listeners, this is like literally the last couple pages of part one. It's like, um, yeah, right here, 113. He gets a call from Victoria.
3: I think this one, like, actually struck me the hardest. And just around, like, death is inevitable. The cards are stacked against you. And doctors are just trying to, like, extend that. And it's, like, one of those things that, No one can escape. Um, And so his perspective as a doctor, I thought that was really interesting. And also, like, just being an English major, it definitely came in and how he, like, described the dance of death, dance with death, I should say, and how he viewed it, I thought was really just interesting and, like, really kind of hit you in the gut of, like, yeah, that's exactly how this works.
2: I wrote down the word sobering Mm -hmm. just in the book because this whole entire part one I mean whenever he's talking about the cadavers I mean Mm -hmm. that alone is just uh, yeah (laughs) but it is true it's like that's someone's grandmother and that will be us one day so it's just sobering to think about but the way he describes Jeff, his death, I mean, he barely brings any emotion into his writing. He, I mean, the most he says is, I wished desperately that I could have been walking with him out of the door of the hospital that evening. But he doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't provide much insight into what he was feeling
0: yeah i completely agree i found it interesting that he provided more feelings about the other stories he told in part one but then when a close friend of his committed suicide there was really it was very like i I wouldn't say no feelings it was just like here it is this is death like it was very dry and straight and so um
3: that's an interesting observation i didn't put that together
0: yeah, I thought that
3: was, yeah. Well, no. and... No. no, you go. No, I was going to say, like, that, That like, really does put it in perspective. And I'm wondering if, and I haven't read part two, but I'm wondering if, like, which type of... Will he be, as matter of fact, about, like, his own illness?
0: Right. Like, is this foreshadowing how he he's changing as a person. Like, is he becoming numb to it himself? I wouldn't say numb, but also it's just like a matter of fact is how he kind of is talking.
1: Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Cause reading it again, I don't, I don't think he's so heartless and Maddie, let me know if you have more thoughts. Um, cause I, I, when he says, I wish desperately that I could have been walking with him out the door of the hospital that evening, I can totally relate to, cause you, you know, it's the next day, something terrible has happened the day before and you wish just harder than you ever wished that, that that day just never happened. And that's that's the way that I was reading that sentence, too, where it's just like this bitter loss, this, this terrible, sharp feeling of horror. And that's how I read it. Another thing that did strike me, though, is the last line is you can't ever reach perfection But you can believe in an asymptote toward which you are ceaselessly striving. Oh, oh my. Okay. Talk about mic drop, Emily. I'm like, oh, my. There is an asymptote. And I never really think about it. (laughs) Because to continue living, you can't really think about that day. But I am struck.
0: Yeah. His writing is something else. I haven't. It's so beautiful. I have not been moved by actual like it's so weird to describe I've never read a book like it like every single word matters
1: it does and it, it almost has a magical quality to it I can't really describe it
0: yeah it really is amazing but the fact that he does end his part one by saying that line is very interesting like the secret is to know that the deck is stacked that you will lose and that your hands or judgment will slip and yet still struggle to win for your patients. It also, that last part like made me just feel for doctors. Me
3: too. Yeah.
0: Wow. Like heavy. Yeah, dude, I, I couldn't do it. There's no way one person act like I did one thing and someone died. I'd be done. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. So to know that there's hundreds and thousands of doctors out there, like putting like that, that's like your mental health. Like you have to be so strong and like put yourself such a strong foundation to do that. And that's really remarkable, honestly. So I really felt for the doctors that deal with these types of
2: like news. Well, and with Jeff, I mean, Obviously the toll of that is is why he took his own life. Yeah. But I I do wonder because I don't know, he talks about how Jeff and I had trained for years to actively engage with death to grapple with it. So it's like I don't know, I wonder how much Jeff thought about his death before or what well, and- an act.
0: Well, even in like earlier in part one, we hear a lot about Jeff. So Jeff is kind of his jokester friend. They joke about, you know, is someone gonna have enough brain to be a governor of California or Idaho? Like they're they're kind of jokesters. And then Jeff even says he asks how Paul's day was, and Paul said like how he's had the worst day with this little boy patient and you know, it's really hard and Jeff said, well, if I ever have a bad day, I know I can come to you. And so it seems like he did kind of like, I don't know. To me, that's grappling in death and grappling in the situation you're in. So um, I, I just feel for doctors when I, I heard this Jeff story, because it had to have been that bad and he had to have felt that guilty. And that's just hard. Any other thoughts about part 1? Anything I didn't call out? Are y'all liking the books of oh, what what Emily?
2: I got to be honest, I'm very very squeamish and I don't do well with me too. Um watching or I'm finding out um I did the audiobook, so listening to descriptions of very grotesque and Mm-mm. um I mean I'm sure to the doctors listening, it's not grotesque to them. Um, But yeah, just the the detail that he goes into on what he was doing. I, it was, it was hard for me to get through.
0: I love stuff like that.
2: I can't, I can't handle it. Somebody was talking about how
1: they cut themselves and had to get stitches. I had to turn it down. I couldn't listen to it because I was driving. I started getting weak in the knees. I can't handle this. Seriously. Seriously. I started breathing really fast. I was like, okay, we have to do some meditative breath. Like turn the volume back up. They're still talking about it. No, 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 no. I don't know. I don't know where it's from. I don't know why. I think in fifth grade, my teacher would make us have indoor recess and watch us or make us watch this like really zoomed in video of a vein and like the blood cells going through it. And I just like would stay up at night thinking about that. I don't know. Maybe therapy is needed. I don't know if that's oh, what y'all no. were doing during indoor recess, or if maybe it was more of a magic school bus situation. <sighs> <laughs> but now I can't handle
0: it when people talk about blood.
1: More respect for doctors. Seriously, thank you, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no, seriously, heroes, and like even in the yeah. pandemic happening, like I, it's just honestly the best time to read a book like this because I just, man, it's so eye opening on what they do and yeah, that's a great point. I didn't get I love, like, all that stuff. So I didn't even think about people that could get like, kind of grossed out by it.
2: And to be honest, again, I did not vote for this book for that reason. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, the truth comes out. Yeah, I didn't vote for it either. <laughs> so, but, but that's, why, that's why I love this group is because it, it, I would have never read this book otherwise true so. i wouldn't have either
0: but now that you're in it are you is it has it shown you anything like do you appreciate his writing or are you like no this is a whack book oh i
2: love it his writing no is i don't so think it's whack. Whack. i'm hopeful that part two will not have as much gory detail
0: yeah. sarah you like the book
2: I like it. I really like it a lot. I was kind of
1: put off by the title, honestly. It sounded a little bit intense, and it is an intense book, but the way it's written is so enjoyable. It reads so well, so quickly.
0: Yeah, well, stay tuned, because one of the questions in the Part 2 podcast will be why we think the title is When Breath Becomes Air, because he never references this throughout the book, so we can talk about that, too, but
2: what's up? And I want to know what everyone else is thinking about the book so far. So after you finish part one, you should DM the BTC Instagram and let us know: Are you squeamish? Can you handle the descriptions of the bone no, saw? No. I couldn't. I
0: couldn't. Or the labor when he was talking about the labor and like. Oh God. The blood. Oh God, no, no. I mean,
1: don't talk about it too
0: much. <laughs> no, please don't stop. I'm sure the
3: moms are like, "It's natural. It's fine."
1: No, <laughs> stop. Yeah, like yeah.
0: Well, I'm not in, I'm out. <laughs> Sarah's gonna sign off this podcast. I
1: actually I'm like I'm I'm leaning up against the wall right now, so that's good.
0: I'm gonna fall over.
1: You drink well, some water, hold up.
0: <laughs> this is awesome. It was a great book discussion. Um, let's wrap up the podcast. The next thing we have is the joy in the quarantine what is bringing you joy in the quarantine? And honestly, if you just want to be real, and you haven't found joy, just talk about something you're struggling with. Like, this is uh, time and space to be authentic and real for not only us on the podcast, but our listeners. And so does anyone want to go first on what is bringing them joy?
2: Okay. Hi, this is Emily. Um, Getting outside, turning off my phone and not paying attention to any type of media or news update um, and actually connecting with others or just connecting with nature. Um, It's so nice to just kind of get out and forget about the current status of the world right now. um, Just for a little bit anyway. And Get exercise, move your body around. It's just amazing what even 15 minutes going on a walk can do for you. So been loving that. That's
3: a good one. Um, I'll go next. I think um, I'm loving – I don't know if I'm loving it or my dogs are loving it more, but we've just been doing nightly walks, which we – and I'm saying me, my boyfriend and I, who I'm quarantined with, we have just been taking the dogs on like afternoon walks through neighborhoods that we've always lived next to, but have never really explored. And since we're in Austin, just like the character of houses and we're like, Ooh, we like this or, Oh, that's an interesting, I wonder why they did that. Or so it's just been fun to like turn off the day with a little walk and our dogs are loving it. And just like, like you said, move our body, get outside, disconnect, Get away from the news. Get away from
1: all that. Bree, I feel you, girl. The walks have been bringing me some serious joy. I've been trying to hit 10,000 steps, definitely failing only on the weekends. Um, Been loving walks through the neighborhood. The dog loves it, too. But I would say the thing that's brought me the most joy has been bread. (laughs) Living for bread. Okay, my friend gave me a fresh-baked loaf, and this girl was baking Before the quarantine, she's actually in the ATX2 group. She handed me a loaf of fresh-baked gluten-free sourdough bread. And um, she basically just handed me a bar of gold. And I ate it all that day with some whipped butter. And it was amazing. I I had help, of course. All right. I'm not so lucky as to eat an entire (laughs) loaf of bread on my own. One day, I will. (sighs) But yeah, I'm loving bread. I'm loving baking. Trying to find the perfect gluten-free... Um, my gluten-free sugar cookie recipe. So I'll keep you guys posted with that. Ooh. Yeah. I'm finding a lot of joy in baking like a lot of uh, other Americans. <laughs> There's a reason. It's great. It's so much fun. And then you get to eat it.
2: We have a, uh we made a really good, or I say we, my uh, boyfriend's sister, she's um, st- actually staying with us with her husband because they're from New York City, and um, they can't go home right now. So, um, she made an amazing vegan brownie recipe, and it's I think four four ingredients, yeah. very minimal. I'll send it to you. Yeah, hit me yeah. with that link. It's amazing. Send
0: it so I can give it to our listeners too. Yes. Um, okay, joy in the quarantine, Maddie edition. Uh so, most of y'all know, uh, well, if y'all follow me on my personal Instagram, I have been load with work. And if you know me, you know I'm very career driven and um, my job has been my passion for a really long time. So, to get that stripped away has actually, uh, revealed a lot of joy. Um, not that my job was shipped away, but having to find new joys in my day. And so I have a whole list of them. Probably the newest one that I didn't do before quarantine is dancing. Um, I've never danced. Like I was a leader growing up, but like, I was like always in the back of the dancing part. Like I'm not a dancer, <laughs> I'm not coordinated like that. And I've been doing dancing classes like two or three times a week and it's such an outlet. And honestly, I've like done a little research on it and it's obviously creativity and it actually does good for your brain. And dancing has a lot of impact, like positive. And so Mm -hmm. dancing is definitely um, my new thing. But are you on uh, that TikTok game yet? not on tiktok jessica kirkland would gotta be upset. Get on that no it's called <laughs> tiktok for a reason it eats up your time and
1: Ooh, big I, Ooh.
0: I can't i have too much i can't i i did one dance for jessica for her birthday because i knew it would like make her life if i did a tiktok dance
1: i want to see it so bad i'll share you
0: post I it will, I will post, post it. it after this podcast. All of y'all can see my first attempted TikTok dance. And then I deleted the app right after, but I saved the dance. Um, but yeah, I decided to uh, train for a half marathon, Rachel Hollis's marathon that's going to be in December, um, her half. And so that's brought me a lot of passion and joy, like following a calendar of running and honestly just like being alone like, really, like, sitting with my feelings. I honestly can't tell you the last time in my whole entire life I've ever sat with my feelings and actually, like, digested them and, like, felt them. I've always numbed them, and now I can't numb. I can't socially numb. I There's no numbing tools for me really to use. All of that has been stripped away. And so um, it's been – it's a – unfortunate thing happening and a lot of people i understand like i've lost my job but it actually has been kind of healing um for me personally but
3: i love that you're taking that outlook
0: you too yeah
3: that's like so encouraging
0: we'll get through this like i literally if i could hug every single person listening and just like look you in the eye like we're gonna get through this and we're gonna look back one day and we're literally gonna say like oh, wow, everything does happen for a reason. So if we know we're going to say that in two years, three years, 10 years, like why wouldn't we be present and enjoy the mess that we're in, even if it's a mess? It's okay to kind of sit in it. So um, that's it. We're wrapping up the podcast. We're so excited that you joined in. I'm clapping my hands. Videos for dancing. But on the 29th, that is when we're going to be discussing part two of When Breath Becomes Air. Um, we are so excited for everyone tuning in all across the world. And DM us. Like, if you have any feedback or questions, or answers to the questions we asked in this episode. Um, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to hear from you. And so, DM us at Between the Covers Book Club Instagram, and we're here. Everyone, say bye. 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 bye.